What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 116. We'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Shadow Play. Ooh. Ooh. A shadow play. This is an independent podcast. You can tell because... Uh, we, I make jokes like shadow play and then go, ooh, and expect it to actually land. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you could do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We've got tiers and privileges. Zach will tell us a little bit about that in a second. A uh, couple of the things that we got is some uh, Patreon first audio content. We dropped uh, episode six of the other side of the gate about a couple weeks ago. Um, where we were talking with one of our listeners about uh, the intersection of archaeology and Stargate. It's a really good episode. I had a lot of fun with that one. And you can listen to that if you go to Patreon. But if you're like, uh, I do not want to support shows on principle, and therefore I demand to be able to hear this content, uh, good news, I agree with you. Uh, It's just that you're just going to have to wait a little bit. So uh, we always release all of that content onto our main feed as time allows Usually when we take breaks, except for last week, last week was kind of an impromptu uh, thing of, well, we had it on the calendar that I was going to go visit Zach and we were like, sure, let's do some podcasting too. And we didn't, which is fine. It was a great time. It, we drank mead and we we chatted and we had a good conversation and just a good evening of fun. Yep. Yep. That was exactly right. We even had an idea of watching uh, the Stargate movie, which I'll let Zach everybody who's listening knows why whatever we didn't even do that we were just too busy being all like i can see you with my own eyeballs and not a screen it's great so it was a good time uh and uh main feed where you can find the main feed uh aggregators that's the short answer use a podcast aggregator because every time i turn around the big players are doing something dumb with their podcasts uh including apple recently but hey it's fine it's totally fine if you have friends that use Apple Podcasts, you'll, they can find us there. Google Podcasts, they can find us there. Spotify Podcasts, they can find us there. Podcast aggregators, they can find us there too. Uh, we got a special thank you, Zach. We got we a do. couple of people join the Patreon. Yes. Thank you, Rob. And thank you, Jacob, for joining the Patreon. That's fantastic. This is great. Indeed. So much. It's really nice. We appreciate it deeply. And if you, dear listener, want to hear your name read by me in a thank you, you can do that by uh, joining our little Patreon right over there. Uh, Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Now, before I pitch it over to you, Zach. Yes. Our good dear friend, David. Yes. Who makes the promotions or the trailers for the episodes and he hosts the other side of the gate with you. And he is basically our manager to remind us to engage with social media on a regular schedule. He's fantastic. Yes. Absolutely great. Yes. He decided to take it up another notch. Ooh. So we had somebody who wrote an Apple review Uh and we have on record a promise, which... I would like to see fade off into the distance at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I promise that every Apple review gets a dramatic recreation. Well, David read the most recent, one of the more recent um, Apple reviews and decided to do a dramatic recreation for himself, like to to do it. Ah. And I have it and we have it right here. Ah, so are we going to listen to it right now? Well, I mean, as it happens, you and I already listened to it, and this is where we do some movie magic where I'm going to put it in the spot, and then we're going to uh, react well, as if we just listened to it yes. because we've already listened to it. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things. So, Got so it. Zach, are you, are you ready? I am 
ready. Okay, here okay, we go. Okay, okay. <laughs> Here's the dramatic recreation. Here, here we go. Today on Podcast Review Theater, we review Walking Through the Stargate. I tuned in because somebody said this podcast was total garbo, and I was like, right on, an entire podcast devoted to cinema legend Greta Garbo. <clears throat> Alas, not so much. Turns out this podcast is all about a show about people jumping into a vertical pool of water and ending up in Canada over and over and over again. And also, alien snakes. What we've learned, though, is, number one, Apophis is stupid. Number two, pyramid-shaped spaceships are stupid. Number three, Dr. Janet is kind of sexy. And number four, Brent needs more vodka. Thank you, and good day from Podcast Review Theater. Wasn't that great? Whoa! <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up because Zach and I literally just paused for two seconds, but we really did listen to it a few times before. And so Many thank times. you, David. Yes. Thanks for making that. Um, that That's a lot of fun. I, I, I liked the old timey, like newsreel type style. That was pretty fun. Yep. Um, and Zach, if a person wants to let us know that they, uh, the insertion of that audio segment was so clean, so flawless, and our reaction was so natural that it was that it sounded exactly like we were reacting to the um, the dramatic recreation as natural as could be. How might they get a hold of us to let us know that we are just complete naturals at this? So, if you want to stroke our egos and help us <laughs> to feel good about ourselves. In what we do here, you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-G. Wow. Wow. Let's try that again. A, like a nice steady pace. And... I know. I know. Okay. Let me try again. Okay. W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-H-R-O-G-C-T-
But you can also find us at Twitter on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, mm-hmm. On Facebook, we've got the page and the group. Thank you for all those who uh, have liked and subscribed and followed and whatever it is things that you have to do on the Facebooks. And yep. you know those of you who want to join most of the conversations, that's in the group. So mm-hmm. go ahead and say I'd like to join, and I'll be like okay and then it's good so we got that you also can go to youtube.com slash i don't know what it is look up uh, walking through the stargate is it stargate walking i think it's stargate walking yes uh whatever or no whatever. walk in walk because i was making a joke oh about yeah you were making a joke Walken. about yeah uh, yeah yeah back in 2018 18, when we first started, and we didn't think yes. anybody would actually listen to us. Yeah. In any know, case, like, yeah. we do have a YouTube uh, <laughs> channel, which uh, is where we put up the promos uh, that David produces for us. Uh, a, we have no plans for this, but B, if we ever were to get plans to do any video podcasting of something, it would be oh, yeah, on that that's channel. Right. Yeah, that would be there. That's right. Um, I, I visited yeah. it the other day for the first time, like, ever. Yeah, I was surprised. Number one, that there's actually a decent—not a huge, but a decent number of people who have subscribed to it. Like, what's that about? And second, the, some of those videos have a lot of views. Yeah. So, so <laughs> YouTube sends us information about all of this stuff, right? Uh-huh. And we got your June Creator monthly newsletter here. And oh, it says, okay. Stargate Walken, here's your channel. Here's how your channel did last month. 40 mm-hmm. new subscribers. What? 46.6 thousand total views. 46,000 views? That, that's got to be all of them for all of them. That can't be in the month. Um, no way, but it's a total of 27.2 thousand minutes watched. I also was delighted. I'm stunned by the way, like this is awesome. this weird reaction All that I'm having is are like, one minute yeah. long. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so great, but also weird. Um, I also was delighting in some of the comments because those videos are posted without any context and there's no information on that page about what the heck was going on. It's just... It's just promotion after promotion after promotion, right? Uh, like yeah, promo true, after promo. True, true. And people are like, what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So uh, I'll be honest. I have not actually looked at any of the comments on a YouTube. Part of me, like for real, like I'm already kind of a curmudgeon with social media in the first place. Secondly, like everybody listening knows what that's about, right? Right. And so it's like our like inside joke. That we've got a YouTube channel <laughs> with people that actually subscribe and watch and comment and find it. And they're like, what's this about? And they don't know. And, the, you know, the, the, like the person in the, the the promoter in me is all like, that's a group of people that could be listening to our podcast. But I'm not monetizing anything. So what do I care? Um, <laughs> so it's just like charming to be like, there's this random thing on the Internet where you can watch just every week a new promotion for another episode of stargate sg1 <laughs> very true oh, it's delightful delightful um yeah and now oh, yes yeah. uh, Go, I no i say, was about to make sure that you didn't forget the most important part i there are two more steps that i have not gotten into the okay. first step is we have a website which yeah. is wtts.space Space! or yes. if you're boring you can go to walkingthroughthestargate.com. 
walking through the story they got now com. i forgot to mention that our good friend david also is now basically a new web contributor to yes he fired up like the blog feature or whatever um the notion being and i'm not sure if this is ready for prime time or not whatever i'm saying i'm talking about it now um that will allow for folks to actually like chat back ish sort of in the form of a comment right you know like we've just recently launched episode 116 where we talk about stargate sg1 shadow play and we put up the promo or whatever and the people can leave comments who knows who cares i don't care it's gonna be great um but he did that he was just like oh click 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 that's done I'm like sweet so now it's really on me to post the grilled cheese recipe yep because i said i was gonna do that and yes, i haven't done it yet yep and that was like months ago yep and the uh employee of the month style these are the people that got our predictions completely right absolutely thing, absolutely which i think is a great idea but i have yep. to do it i haven't done it yep. i haven't done it yet so. yep um okay so that's all on the website the website is in development we did say from the very beginning with the website that it would be in development uh constantly and thank yes. you again to david for yes. uh all that he does with that Absolutely. Now, we also have the Patreon, which, uh, Brent, you mentioned earlier. We have the Mm -hmm. other side of the gate. We've got Stargate Second Chances, so those two walking through the Stargate podcasts there. Lots of different ways of uh, participating in that. We've got several different tiers. If you hit one of those higher-level tiers, we will figure out a way to say thank you, and we'll just go with that. I don't know what that's going to be. No, I'm Uh, not sure either. uh, We are getting... Uh, we are creeping up to that $75 a month mark. Uh, know. When we hit that, we will start reviewing for the podcast, for the Patreons first, uh, Stargate Infinity, Which, and uh, then we'll go from there. Right. Pain, pain and suffering, pain and suffering. It, you know, it might not be pain and suffering. You might actually enjoy it. In the MST3K kind of way? Uh, whatever way you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So... Yes. Um, now, good stuff. Um, we do have uh, some, you know, patro- patrons can vote on episodes. And the big news is, I think we mentioned this last time, Brent, we need yes. to sit down and talk about this. Yes, uh, we do. Is figuring out uh, when we are going to sit down and rewatch the movie Stargate and re-review that. Uh, yes. But that is coming up as soon as we can get that onto imminent. our calendar. It's imminent, which might be measured in weeks. But the point is, is that it's imminent. It's imminent. Imminent means it's close by. And depending on your scale, close by could be tomorrow or it could be in 100,000 years. It really just depends on what scale you're looking at. That is a true statement. Yes. I Geologically speaking, 100,000 years is like next to no time at all. That it will happen before 100,000 years passes. Oh, yeah. No, if, um, if we find a way to actually create content and have it drop 100,000 years in the future. First, if I can figure out how to do it, I'm doing it. Because, come on. Okay, um, if you can figure out how to do that, yeah. um, that is like seriously marketable skills. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, you, you front load all of your content creation and you have it released on a schedule that includes 100 millennia. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Really have a brand presence out there. Well, you know, this is one way to ensure longevity. People will not forget who you are if you are constantly creating a new ad for the next 100,000 years. That is a true statement. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Stargate the movie. We're going to watch that uh, pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, Brent. 
Yes. Are you ready to dig into the background of this episode, Shadowplay? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, this episode is directed by Peter DeLuise. Uh, it is, the teleplay is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. For both of those, for all three of them, really, it's their third, whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. of seven credits this season. Hmm. Uh, this has been like a trio team because they did Descent and they did Nightwalkers, yeah. and yeah. now they're doing Shadowplay all together. Pop quiz. Yes. Well, no. Okay. Don't look this up. Do the three of them do all the seven episodes together? Is that what's happening this season? Or do they break up at some point and do different things? I am fairly certain that this does not continue through the entire season. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but I'd have to actually look that up to be Don't 100% look it up. certain. I'm not going to because you said not to. Friends, one of the things that's happening is that I have decided to impose a recording crunch on us. Um, my folks are in town visiting and they're currently in the house. And so... I have to be a good host, but right now I'm like, got to be a different host. Bye. So I'm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Anyway, carrying on. So, uh, guest actors for this episode, we have a few mm-hmm. that we need to talk about. The first one mm-hmm. is Joel Sweto. He is mm-hmm. First Minister Vallis. Mm-hmm. Right. He was born in 1951 in New York City. Uh, he is known for his work on Alice in Wonderland in 2010, Charmed, the television show Charmed in 2000, or, sorry, 1998 and following, and Lord of Illusions in 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I looked through his IMDb uh, uh, credits, he has done a lot of stuff on Star Trek, as a matter of fact. Huh. Uh, he's done voice work for several of the video games. Okay. In 1993, he played Gul Jassad on Deep Space Nine's uh, pilot episode, Emissary. Oh, okay. Uh, Gul, Gul, Gul Jassad is one of the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. He played an alien named Yogg on TNG in the episode Firstborn in 1994. Mm-hmm. And he also played the Andorian ambassador Thoris on Star Trek Enterprise episode Terra Prime in 2005. Was Thoris a semi-regular character? No. Okay. I don't think so. He wasn't like the main Andorian that that you saw regularly. Right, right. But um, he looked, um, Joel Sueto looked very familiar to me. Mm. Like very, very familiar. And all of these roles that you are mentioning, um, you know, as a Cardassian, he'd be, be under heavy makeup. Um, presumably Yogg was under heavy makeup, maybe, maybe not. And uh, the Andorians are under not quite so heavy makeup, but still some makeup. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, I've seen you before. I know I have, but I couldn't figure it out. And I bet you it's probably this. Probably. Just- so uh, I didn't make the connection with him and Gul Jassad, Um, But once I read that and I looked at him in this episode, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I, understand. I see mm-hmm. it. I see it. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember uh, Yogg from Firstborn, and I don't remember no. specifically Thoris from Enterprise. So, yeah. can't speak to that. Gotcha. Uh, Sueto's first IMDb credit was in uh, the movie Cabbie in 1989. Oh, no, he played a Cabbie in the oh, 1989 okay. movie See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I just got to read my notes correctly. Gotcha. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so that was Joel Sueto, the first Minister Vallis. We have Doug Abrahams, who plays Commander mm-hmm. Hale. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Uh, he is known for his work on Fido in 2006, Elysium in 2013, and Man of Steel also in 13. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one of those guys that has been in like everything because he, he's mm-hmm. got 158 credits on IMDb. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's just, That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and this is not the only time we will see Doug Abrahams in Stargate. Okay. Um, if I recall correctly, we will actually see Commander Hale again, but I can't remember for certain. Uh, gotcha. But we will also see him as a different character in several episodes in seasons 9 and 10. Ah, okay. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, so his first IMDb credit came in 1987 when he played the char- a Russian agent in the TV series Stingray. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. There you go. There Commander you go. Hale. We have uh, Jillian Barber, or Gillian, probably Jillian. 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 Jillian Barber. She plays Ambassador Draylock. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1958 in uh, West Midlands, uh, in Coventry, West Midlands, New Eng- England. Not New England, mm-hmm. England. Uh, she is known for the Romeo section in 2015, Chesapeake Shores in 16, uh, The Man in the High Castle in 2015. Uh, According to IMDb, she works in Vancouver as a choreographer, director, and college theatrical instructor, Mm. and has a black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, hey. Nice. She has 138 credits on IMDb, mostly Mm -hmm. guest acting spots. Now, this is actually not the first time we have seen her in Stargate. We saw her for the first time several seasons ago in the episode The Gamekeeper when she played resident number one. Okay, that would be why. Okay. Yep. Nice. So. That was a fun episode. It was. Now, her first IMDb credit came in 1985 when she played the ski shop clerk in the TV movie Brotherly Love. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. And finally, we have a big name to talk about. Yes. None other than Dean Stockwell, who plays yep. Dr. Kieran. Uh, and I have a couple of different biographies for him, according to IMDb. So we have mm-hmm. photogenic American child actor of the 1940s, popular due in no small measure to his air of innocence and his beautiful cherubic face with its dimples and his sparkling <laughs> eyes topped with a <laughs> crown of curls. Still an actor in demand while well into his middle years. He is one of the few juvenile performers to succeed lifelong in films. Considering child actors who've matured gracefully, his career can be likened perhaps only to that of Natalie Wood, accepting her degree of stardom. (laughs) Thank you to Bill Takix for that. Nice. And I have another glowing. I have another. This one's by Ron with two N's. Okay. Oh, two N Ron. Okay. Dean Stock. (laughs) Dean Stockwell is one of only a few people left that were alive and acting during the golden age of Hollywood. Over a long career, he has worked with many of Hollywood's greatest talents. 
He starred with Orson Welles in the court drama Compulsion in 1959, worked with Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra in the film Anchors Away in 1945. But to many, he's best known as the lecherous Admiral Al Calvici in the TV series Quantum Leap in 1989. No, but that's okay. Carrying on. I'm just reading what it says. Just reading what it said. But um, to many, he's best known. I mean, maybe that's a technically true statement. To many, he is best to known. To many, he is best known. This is probably written a while ago. Yes. <laughs> uh, he gave Neil Young the inspiration for the title of his 1970 album, After the Gold Rush. Uh, okay. All right. That's fun. Um, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at the south side of the 7,000 block of Hollywood Boulevard. On Saturday, February 29, 1992, mm-hmm. uh, the fa- fans of Quantum Leap uh, in 1989 uh, organized this Leap Day ceremony. Yep, yep. Clever. There you go. Pretty, pretty clever, yep. frankly. It's pretty, pretty clever. He has a whopping 204 credits on IMDb. Dang. That is a lot of work. And the one that you remember him most as, and yes. I, is from Battlestar Galactica, which actually yes. came after Shadowplay, when yes. he plays the Cylon John Cavill. That's right. And I was thinking about it, like, I'm 90% sure he doesn't show up in the miniseries, and I don't remember when he shows up in the main story, but it's like, after a bit. I think it's not in the miniseries. I think it's in season two. Is it that quote early? Although there was only four seasons. Although there it was were spread only out four over, what, seasons. Fifteen years. And yeah. at the end of season two, if I recall correctly, and be the beginning of season three is when they find New Caprica and they they settle down um, on, right. on the planet. That's and right. if that's the case, if that happens in fact between two and three, which I'm now as I think of it, almost certain that it does then Cavill has to have been introduced prior to that. Yes, that's right. So, uh, now, Dean Stockwell's first IMDb uh, credit comes, like I said, he was a child actor, way back in 1945, when he Mm -hmm. plays Pauly in the movie The Valley of Decision. There you go. There you go. Also in this episode, we've got Gary Jones and Terrell Rothery, uh, just need to drop those names and mention them as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. The original air date for Shadowplay was July 26, 2002. And nobody in the UK, US nor the UK, uh, you're going to mix that together and call it the UKS. The UKS. <laughs> uh, are listening to anything um, especially new or exciting this week because in the U.S. they are still listening to Hot and Here by Nelly, and in the U.K. Mm-hmm. they are still listening to Any One of Us, Stupid Mistake by Gareth Gates. Hey, just so I um, you know, obviously pulled up the song Stupid Mistake by Gareth Gates. Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry. It was, uh, I'm getting, whatever, it doesn't matter. It was a stupid mistake. Um, boy, that song is bad. <laughs> it, bad. Bad song. You know what? The, you know what? The basically, you know what the you know what the song is. Basically, here's it is. Basically, okay, girl. I'm so sorry I cheated on you, but you gotta understand. The other one was hot. She was super. It was dumb. It was a stupid. I'm so sorry. It was bad. It, I uh, uh, please forgive me. Please, just can we get over? 
But she was hot. That's basically the song. It's the stupidest thing in the world. I'm pulling this thing up and I'm like, wow. Wow. Gosh. I'm glad I don't have to pull it up again. Uh, yeah. So, um, speaking of stupid mistakes, number one in the box office this weekend <laughs> was Austin Powers in Goldmember. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, I mean, folks. The first Austin Powers movie was really quite fun. It doesn't it hold good. up near as well as we would no. like it to, but it was quite fun way back in the day. Yeah. And, and the even second one was the fine sequel too. was pretty yeah. decent. But, yeah, that's right. oh my goodness, this one jumped the shark before the opening credits even began. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, number two. I mean, you know you're in trouble when you have to have Mike Myers play, what, like five or six of the characters? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, number two in the box office was Road to Perdition. Stuart mm-hmm. Little is number three. Stuart Little. Stuart Little 2 is number Stuart 3. Stuart Little 2. Gotcha. Men in Black 2 is 4. Yeah. And K-19, the Kingmaker, is 5. There you go. So okay. this is, you know, rife with sequels. It's a sequelicious. What was it, summertime? It was summertime. All right. So what was happening around the air date of this episode? Mm-hmm. On July 21, 2002... The telecom giant WorldCom files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This, at that point in time, was the largest such filing in United States history. There you go. Yeah. All right. On July 22, Israel assassinates Salah Sharad, the commander-in-chief of Hamas's military arm, the Is Adin Al-Qassam Brigades, hmm. along with 14 civilians. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yo. Okay. Okay. On July 23, one day later, Kaim Potok, the American novelist who wrote The Chosen, among many other books, and Rabbi, uh, he dies on July 23, 2002. He was born in 1929, so he had a good mm-hmm. uh, lengthy life. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I remember having to read The Chosen in high school back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you did or not. I don't remember it, if I did, so... I'm fairly certain I didn't read all of it because I wasn't reading all of the books I was supposed to be reading in high school because (laughs) I was a bad (laughs) student. Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. Like, yeah, I'll read what I need to read. There we go. Now, speaking of novelists of various sorts, on July 24, on the 200th anniversary of his birth, French author Alexandre Dumas' Ashes are interned in the Pantheon in Paris in a televised ceremony. Alexander Dumas wrote The Three Musketeers, among several other books. Little uh, little uh, uh, rabbit hole for you listeners out there. If you want to have a fun little story, look up the clock in the Parthenon in Paris. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. I, I, that's what I said. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Because if I say any more, it's gonna it's going to uh, spoil the delight. Because when I say those words, you're thinking, okay, how can that be a good story? Trust me, friends, it's a great story. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any comments because yeah, yep. I have got to look it up. I got to look it up. Yep. All right. So on July 27, one day after this episode aired. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine 
air show disaster happens. Oh, gotcha. A Sukhoi Su-27 fighter crashes during the air show in uh, Liv, uh, Lviv. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, actually. L-V-I-V. Uh, Ukraine. It's in Ukraine. It's a place it's in, in Ukraine. It's in, it's in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah, of course. And in any case, this is a disaster, and it kills 85 people, which is... Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, ...sad. It injures more than 100 people. It is the largest air show disaster in history. Yeah, that... Yes. Yep. Bad, bad. Very bad. Very bad. Okay. And then, a few days later, on July 30th, the accounting law referred to as the Sarbanes-Oxley Act was signed into law by President George W. Bush. And I looked this up, and this has something to do with not being able... Like, companies couldn't, like, hide where they're putting your money or something. I I, I read about it, and I don't know enough about, like, accounting laws yeah. and such. So, yeah. but, but it prevented companies from doing weird things and made things theoretically more transparent for the plebes out there. Um, mm -hmm. And so I guess it was a good thing, but it's hard to tell for sure because I didn't really understand it. Yep. But there nope, it was. Neither, no, no. There you go. I'm sure that there are people that work in accounting that are like, oh man, this has been foundational to blah. Uh, you know, hey, if assuming it's still in act, in yeah. effect, it's been out in effect for nearly 20 years, so that yeah. is quite a long time. All right. Are you ready, Brent, for some trivia about this episode? Yes. Let's get into uh, okay. it. Okay. So I mentioned that this episode was directed by Peter DeLuise. Yes. And Peter DeLuise usually appears somewhere in these episodes. Did you find Yes. Him? No. So. I did not. Early on in the episode, they are in the briefing room having a conversation about blah, 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 whatever. If you look yeah. in the back, you see an SF of some variety sitting back there taking notes. I don't know, probably drawing uh, doodles in the margins of something. <laughs> that was Peter DeLuise. There was Peter DeLuise. Got it. Yep. Uh, knowing Peter DeLuise, it was probably something inappropriate. Ah, ah that's awesome. There you go. Now, Just writing the word bigger over and over. Bigger. <laughs> bigger. Bigger. All right. Now. According to the audio commentary in this episode, this episode was designed to be kind of an homage to the movie A Beautiful Mind and John Nash. Kind of kind of an homage to A Beautiful Mind? Well, have you seen A Beautiful Mind? Uh-huh. Uh, so, Beautiful Mind is about a uh, mathematician, John Nash, who also has yes. schizophrenia. And yes. for the first half of the movie, roughly, yes. and his life, he was... Uh, subject to significantly the the hallucinations he was having, and yes. there was all sorts of stuff about conspiracy theories and yes. and all of the stuff and secret drops of this and that and the other thing. So that is I'm, what they're kind of drawing upon. I'm bristling at the word homage. I, I would as well. <laughs> um, I, I think it actually does a good job of of kind of. Pulling on those elements of that movie specifically, and of course John Nash's life uh, I mean, for we, this new we'll get story. Into it, but um, allow me to yes to to compliment them on their fl on their just amazing ability to pull in so many elements of the movie into this show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I'm looking forward to hearing your comments. <laughs> um, 
So uh, the there is an external mat scene showing the city of Kelowna on Kelowna. Yeah. Uh, and if you look carefully, one of the smokestacks in the lower left corner, the smoke is actually going into the stack instead of out. Going into the stacks instead of out. <laughs> hey, different, different, uh, different worlds might have different technologies. We, we, we say that they're decades behind us, and they might just have a couple things that are actually ahead of us. You know, like a like a big vacuum that sucks in the there you toxic go. smokes. There you go. There you go. It, it could very well be that way. That's right. Um, now, <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but in the scene when Dr. Kieran and Jonas Quinn are running away from the guy that's shooting at them, right? And this is just before uh, Kieran falls and uh, collapses on the ground, right? Yep, yep. Um, if you look carefully, you see that Jonas Quinn is carrying an Intar, which is yep. one of those special guns that has the glowy red crystal on the bottom that shoots stun yes. mess. And, of course, the gun itself is shooting actual bullets. Right. Now, all of this... And, was, of course, of course, Jonas is not real. And Jonas is not real. And all yes. of that was intentional to kind of hint to the oh. audience that this was part of some something else going on, a delusion. Um, okay, good. So good, yeah. Because I thought, because I thought it was a not like a goof. I just thought it was. Well, I probably should have put more faith in it. Because I, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, and um, I'm like, what? I'm now like, I will notice that that what strikes me as a goof is that if you watch carefully that scene and even previous scenes with Jonas and his sidearm, um, mm-hmm. you never see the crystal until that one oh, slot, until spot right there. <laughs> I, I'm willing. I'm willing to throw it a bone by saying um, that nothing needs to line up if what we were seeing is a manifestation. Well, not really manifestation, but if we were viewing the the hallucination from inside the mind of Doctor Kieran. Right. My only contention is this: that if it's not established at some point in time that Jonas is in fact using an intar. Carrying an intar, and we have never seen him carry an intar in previous episodes. Although usually when he's carrying something, it's a zat gun, which is similar to an intar. Mm-hmm. But now it would make sense that if Doctor Kieran had seen him with an intar, that Doctor Kieran wouldn't know that the intar doesn't shoot regular bullets; it shoots stun blasts. That makes sense. But if we isn't if it isn't established that that Dr. Kieran notices that Jonas Quinn is carrying an intar in the first place. Now that's mm-hmm. an inconsistency. Right. Again, I'm willing to throw the bone to the notion of it's all inside his head. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. How does, how do you visually throw things back at the viewer to let them know that things are not right? You do something like this maybe, but right. whatever. There you go. Okay. So, um, that is what I have for my, um, uh, trivia. Uh, now I've got one for you. you I got have, one for you. Oh, all right, hit me up. Not about this episode, but it was something else that I. So I don't remember how I. Oh, right. I uh, read it the other day. Was talking about how the actors in Mash, like three of them, actually served in the army, not in the Korean War, but in Korea after the war. And one of them, the guy who played Klinger, actually used his real dog tags for the show. But. That got me down the mash rabbit hole because the in in um, uh, Wikipedia, the actor who plays Radar is like the next person down in the list of recurring 
or of, of major characters in the show. And as I was looking at that, I noticed two things, Zach. Two. Okay. Two. Thing number one. In the show MASH, yes. Radar's real first name is Walter. Oh, yes. And thing number two. The actor who plays Radar, his first name is Gary. Oh, gee, many crackers. Yeah, so we've got a Gary who plays a character named Walter in both shows, and I've referred to both of them as Radar. And, you know, so as you mentioned this, I do now remember that one of our listeners way back when, yeah. we, when we first named him Radar yeah. sent an email with that information in it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, that is cool. And of course, at that point in time, I had to, you know, sit on Keep it. it to yourself. Yep. <laughs> and and it had obviously slipped my mind. But now that you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's cool. Yep. There you go. Yep. You got Gary's playing Walter. There you go. And I've nicknamed both of them Radar. Radar. Well, one's, when one is established as Radar. And then there's me insisting that the other one is named Radar. Yeah. yeah. They, they look similar, you know. Yeah. And they both serve... I mean, um, the radar and mash, sir, is much more engaged with the story at this point than our radar in SG one, right? Right. You know, he's had a few bits, but for the most part, he's just talking. Oh, also, they, aren't they getting the ranks wrong? And uh, this one, um, well, maybe they're getting them wrong. I don't know. Maybe not. People who actually know a thing or two about um, Air Force ranks can tell me. Um, Hammond referred to radar as private this episode, and I'm like, I thought he was a sergeant. And uh, so, so it has generally been established that he's a staff sergeant. Yeah. Um, now that said, his name, you know, used to be Norman Davis for a while. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, yeah. it's who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I missed that. There, there's. How about we do this? How about we say that there are that that the that the Air Force, specifically the SGC, found these two or three gentlemen who are basically doppelgangers of each other ah, and employed all of them in the same position as, of operating the gate room because reasons. Well, there you go. I approve. One's a private. One's a sergeant. One is named uh, whatever you just said. Norman Davis. Right. Maybe they're twins. Separated at birth. Well, m- maybe or maybe not. Well, because we, we because Walter Harriman. Well, okay, so if one's Davis and one's Harriman, maybe yeah. they had a falling out at some oh, point in time. Oh, name change. And one gotcha. changed his name. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's, some, there's some fanfic that has to happen there. <laughs> awesome. All right, now, this episode, Shadowplay, Brent, in yeah, oh other boy. languages, are you <laughs> yeah. ready? Yes. <laughs> so the French call this resistance. Okay. okay. Yes. The Italians, shadow play. The Czechs, mm-hmm. shadow play. The Hungarians, mm-hmm. shadow play. Mm-hmm. The Spanish call this imaginary operation. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Spain, you're pulling a Germany right now. Yeah, and the Germans mm-hmm. call this ein übermächtiger Feind, a superior enemy. Oh, that's a fun one. That's a fun name. It is. I'm trying to. I mean, they're not doing the normal thing. Spain took over the the Germany position for yes, this one. Yes, that's true. Uh, so Germany, they they, they rightly said, okay, you, you you won this round. Like like if we were to go over the top on this one, then it would just blow it apart. Let's not do that. But instead, let's come up with a unique name 
that is actually really deep. Mm. Yeah, they're you know I'm Superior, guessing I mean. that they probably called their friends in Spain ah, and yes. said, uh, so we have to do you know this deep level of of naming things, which means we need you to pull our standard, you know, yes, on the nose. Just naming. name the episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Imaginary yep. operation. <laughs> uh, that that is exactly how it happened. That's how that's how it worked. All right. So Brent. Yes. We are now ready for the synopsis, I think. Yes. All right. Here we go. It's time. Let's do it. It's Tuesday. Okay. I don't really know what day it is, and it doesn't really matter, but in my head, it's Tuesday, okay? (laughs) And the Stargate activates. They hear a message from Commander Hale of the Cologne Defense Force. They want to reestablish trade relations with Earth. Now, O'Neill wants nothing to do with the people who tried to frame Daniel. He still thinks they're directly responsible for Daniel's death. But the Nequadria is still really valuable. And it is still their best bet in developing hyperdrive technology, shields, weapons, all those things powerful enough to take on the Goa world. Hammond agrees to the meeting. Jonas is uneasy about meeting his people again. They see him as a traitor, but he feels his actions were justified and necessary to protect his people. Yes, that sounds an awful lot like Teal'c's backstory. And so, the Jaffa talks to Jonas, alien to alien, outcast to outcast, (laughs) traitor to traitor. Oh, wow, right. The conversation doesn't remove the uneasiness within Jonas, but it does help him process his predicament. Soon, three Colonians arrive on the base for negotiations. Commander Hale, Ambassador Draylock, and Dr. Kieran, who was Jonas's former academic mentor and advisor. Jonas greets his mentor, but is ignored by the man. That clearly hits Jonas right in the feels, but he holds it all together. At the meeting, the Colonians reveal that the global politics on their planet is not going well. They are locked in a kind of cold war with the two other superpowers on the planet, the Turanian Confederacy and the Andari Federation. This has been going on for generations, but something new has happened. The Turanians and Andari have signed a non-aggression pact with each other. This can mean only one thing. They are preparing for war with the Colonians. Colonna will not survive the joint onslaught of the other two major powers, but they have a solution. We'll give Earth Nequadria. We have more than enough of it right now. And you'll give us weapons and technology that will allow us to crush our opponents into the dust from which they came. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm, it will allow us to defend our people and save lives. Yeah, yeah, that sounds much, much better. Yeah. There is a wrinkle to this plan. Earth is reluctant to share their military technology. They got burned by that process a few years ago with the Urandans and now share a perspective similar to the Tolan people on non-interference about giving technology and all of that stuff. Now, the Colonian contingent revealed their only alternative, if Earth does not help them, is to use the Nequadria bomb that they have successfully built and tested. Give us the stuff so that we can blow up our opponents, or we're going to take this really nasty bomb and blow up our opponents. Do you see the fallacy in the logic here? I well, do. Well, I mean, it's right. very, very effective. Well, kind of. 
Depends on what your goal is, yes. Yeah. Okay. After the meeting, the members of SG-1 talk about the situation, and Jonas reveals more about the situation on his home world. Later, Dr. Kieran comes back through the Stargate alone to meet with Jonas. Now, this is a little unusual given the nature of the negotiations, but Jonas is happy to talk with his mentor once again. During the meeting, Jonas tries to convey all he's learned and the possibilities and the dangers of the interstellar community. Kelowna, Terrania, and Andari need to find a new way to interact and work together in the midst of this interstellar community. The Doctor reveals that he is in fact a member of an underground network, a resistance, if you will, that wants to overthrow the government in order to stop the potential war and bring to the diplomatic table the whole planet. Now this revelation is unexpected and may offer the SGC new options in their diplomatic discussions. Jonas discusses all of this with his team and the general, and Hammond orders the team to go back to Kelowna, continue the negotiations, and find out more about this resistance. SG-1 goes to the planet, where they are introduced to Vallis, the first minister of Kelowna. They still want military technology, but SG-1 offers them antibiotics. I would like a really large plane that can shoot my opponents out of the sky. I'll give you drugs so that you don't get sick. That seems like a good deal. Uh, but uh, but I want a plane that will shoot people out of the sky. You can't shoot people out of the sky if you're homesick with an infection. Yeah, yeah that, that's wonderful, but I still need something that will shoot my enemies out of the sky, because if I don't have that, they're going to shoot me out of the sky, and I don't want that. After hours and hours of fruitless negotiations, I mean, seriously, there were no fruits at all in this negotiation. No grapes, no apples, no kiwis. They didn't even stop for a pineapple. Nothing. (laughs) No red kiwis. (laughs) Nothing. They finally, finally agree on something. That is to adjourn for the day. Exhausted, they meet with Dr. Kieran. O'Neill wants to know more about the resistance. He wants to meet them and asks Kieran to contact his contacts. The good doctor is uneasy since he's not supposed to make contact unless they contact him first. But he agrees to relay O'Neill's request for a contact. 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 (laughs) Kieran does this. The meeting between the resistance and the doctor seems odd, but they appear to be willing to trust the newcomers upon Kieran's word. Concurrently, Jonas is invited to meet alone with the First Minister to talk about the situation and what can be done to bring Jonas back home. Vallis tells Jonas that Dr. Kieran has been acting erratically, and if Jonas were to return home and promise to, quote, watch over his former mentor, then all would be forgiven. Does Vallis want Jonas to use Kieran to get information about the resistance from him? This all seems quite strange. Jonas is uncertain what to do. SG-1 meets with the Colonian Council for a second time, offering to negotiate with the enemies instead of giving the Colonians guns. But the Council is not too excited about this idea. After all, they haven't revealed to their adversaries the existence of the Stargate, and they don't want to. Now, Jonas suggests that this might be the ideal time to do exactly that. But they all know that it's not quite that simple. Even O'Neill reluctantly agrees. 
After the meeting with the council is over, SG-1 meets with Dr. Kieran. He is agitated. Two of his colleagues on the Nequadria project have been, quote, reassigned with no other explanation. Dr. Kieran fears that he will be next. Now, O'Neill wants to leave immediately. They can't give the Colonians what they want, and it appears that the resistance is about to be discovered and eliminated by the government. This is all around a bad thing. But Kieran blurts out that the resistance is about to attack, and with SG-1's help, they can take the whole city with minimal bloodshed, and that would be a great thing. In exchange, they can give the Nequadria stash the good doctor has been smuggling into the hands of the resistance to the Earth people. Later, the doctor goes through the city when he meets up with Jonas, surprisingly. Jonas tells him that spies have been following him. They run away, and they are chased by guards. Shooting happens. During the chase, the doctor falls from a height. What is the height? I don't know. Probably about 12 and a half feet. Maybe 15 feet. We don't know. But whatever it is, he is injured badly. He has broken bones. He has head trauma. This is not good. He lies there unconscious. And when the camera pans up to the ledge from which the doctor fell, and on which Jonas was standing there moments ago, Jonas is now gone. Nowhere to be seen. <gasps> Dr. Kieran is brought to the SGC, where Dr. Fraser cares for him. He was found on the street, but no one knows how he got there. Jonas convinced the Kelonan government that the SGC would be able to provide superior care to Kieran, and the Kelonan government agrees. Now, upon examination of Dr. Kieran and his brain scans, Dr. Fraser reveals the truth. Kieran appears to be schizophrenic and may be suffering from paranoia, delusions, and even hallucinations. Even now, Kieran is talking to the Jonas Quinn of his mind and not the real Jonas Quinn. Afterwards, O'Neill, Carter, and Teal go back to the planet and successfully locates the headquarters of the Resistance, which has is long since been abandoned. But they do discover the Nequadria that Dr. Kieran has been smuggling out. So, they have lots of Nequadria. That's good. Concurrently, the real Jonas Quinn, not the one that is in Kieran's head, talks with the council and tells them about the threat of the Gua'uld. The council is incredulous that the Gua'uld would attack now after thousands of years of silence. But Jonas retorts that detonating the Nequadria bomb could, in fact, attract the Gua'uld to the planet. And that would be bad. They need to start working with the people of the whole planet instead of just bickering endless on this global scale. O'Neill enters the chambers to collect Jonas. It's time to go back to Earth. The colonel reveals the truth to Jonas. There is no resistance. It was all in Dr. Kieran's head. He is schizophrenic, a condition caused by exposure to the Nequadria. Jonas turns and confronts the council about the two other scientists, and the council reveals that they too exhibited symptoms similar to Dr. Kieran's. And they were sent into psychiatric care. Hush, hush, because they didn't want to scare any of the other doctors. It's scientists. Poor shielding from the Nequadria radiation is destroying the minds of some of their best scientists. Back on Earth, SG-1 talks about Dr. Kieran's situation, as well as the dangers of experimenting with the Nequadria. Carter is confident, however, that they should be able to safely work with this hazardous material. And, from the beginning, Earth scientists have been safely working with it. Though, they will double-check 
their efforts to make sure that all safety precautions are being followed. Dr. Frazier explains that they can stabilize Dr. Kieran such that his mind won't continue to deteriorate, but there is nothing that they can do about the damage that has already been done. Jonas goes to sit down with his mentor in the infirmary. They are going to take him to a place that can help him, but Dr. Kieran isn't concerned. The resistance is still able to communicate with him. Everything is going just as planned with their coup. Jonas can only sadly agree. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Shadowplay. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Well, unfortunately, I've seen this movie. And as a result, watching this movie again is fine, but I didn't have the same story, and I didn't have the same actors, and I didn't have the same setup, and so as a result, this movie was boring. But unfortunately, this wasn't a movie. Unfortunately, this is a show with a lot of characters that I enjoy watching, and actors that do a really good job with it, and guest actors that do a fantastic job with it, and new regulars that do a fantastic job conveying that the Jonas that you see on the screen right now is not actually the Jonas that we know. That was good. And it was, well, it was excellently shot and the pacing is fine. And the lighting, man, the lighting in that conference room when they're having, when the uh, first, first prime minister dude and Jonas were having that conversation, that was great. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot about this that's really quite good. And there are aspects of the story that have been brought up that make me go, hmm, I think this is actually kind of a tough spot that has just been introduced and I want to talk about it in a minute, but it just kept getting overshadowed by the notion of, I've seen this movie. <laughs> this is the one where somebody who's very important to something or nominally very important to something thinks that something else is going on and lives an entire life thinking that this other thing is going on. And the only difference between A Beautiful Mind and this show is that at the end, the guest actor is left to believe his delusions. Whereas in the movie... Uh, can you can you spoil the twenty year old movie? In the movie, it is Go for uh, it. you know he he realizes that it is a delusion, and that is a piece of the movie. That is that is a part of the story. Is the is the is the hero arc of John Nash moving through that challenge? Yeah, it's really good. It's really really good. Yeah. And that's also part of the reason why I'm looking at this, going like, come on, guys, I've seen this because the movie was really really good. And as you were talking through the synopsis, I was realizing that um, I'm not sure how many people saw A Beautiful Mind. I mean, I'm confident that many, many have, but it might have been a real, like, heady, um, emotionally, vaguely emotionally charged movie that did not appeal to many, many, many people. It appealed to me. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. Um, So that's why I'm like, come on, I've seen this. But maybe a majority maybe even a strong majority of television science fiction watching people, um, which we also have to keep in mind uh, just because we think that we're a small bunch. We're actually not that small of a bunch. So there's a lot of different people that watch television sci-fi like a lot. And so, and especially at, like on Showtime or sci-fi, like, like, like there might've been a ton of people that didn't see a beautiful mind and they thought the story was amazing. Like that's totally possible. I don't know though. So I can say with certainty that, I when I first saw this episode, um, whenever that was, mm-hmm. uh, I had not seen a beautiful mind at that point. So, 
when you watched A Beautiful Mind, did you think to yourself, oh man, they've just totally ripped Stargate? No. Okay. No. Um, when I did watch A Beautiful Mind, uh, it was sufficiently removed from Stargate and from this episode yeah, and gotcha. all that stuff that gotcha. I didn't really, um, I didn't connect the two at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't actually, frankly, until this watching here that that I was reading how Beautiful Mind played a role Interesting. in, in this. Okay. Uh, mo- mostly because I, you know. No, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just, yeah, I just hadn't bothered to connect the dots there. Well, and so, you know, um, that's fine. So basically what you're telling me, which is good, is that I'm being Captain Snark. Is that I'm sitting here no, being all like, <clears throat> no, excuse me. No, so, so part of it is that, I mean, you, you mentioned that this episode is kind of boring. And I would 100% agree with that. It It's not one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it just kind of moves along. Um, and so, you know, this is one of those episodes that, you know, I watched and I moved on and I didn't think about it. Um, and so in that regard, it didn't play a heavy role in my memory as I sit down and watch Beautiful Mind for the first time. Gotcha. Was. Gotcha. Um, also, the context in which... So, um, it, it was only a few years ago, actually, that I first watched A Beautiful Mind, and there's lots of reasons why that was the case. Sure. Uh, but when I watched it, I was in a context where I was thinking about the movie from a very different perspective than how it may or may not have connected yeah, to yeah. a sci-fi sh- series. And, yes, um, once again, though, we... we you know, we're still not quite out. I mean, maybe we never left. Um, I just haven't been watching enough current television to really know. We haven't. We're not out of the little zone where writers will um, use schizophrenia as a plot point, and many times they get it wrong. This time, it's not necessarily wrong, and I should be. I have tangential experience with people who are schizophrenic. Um, and it manifests itself in many, many ways, uh, including hallucinations. That is one manifestation. But, you know, to kind of do this, like, side angle thing of, like, he's schizophrenic because he got exposed to radiation. Like, that's not how, well, schizophrenia in people is not radiation-induced. Um, other things are radiation-induced, right? Like, plenty, plenty of things that can happen. Uh probably including within the framework of mental health, like no question about it, but you know, it's something else. Um, but whatever, so, here we are. I, I would say that, um, I mean, schizophrenia is one of those things that tends to be uh, part of your system. Mm-hmm. Like, like either you are predisposed to be schizophrenic or you're not, it's right. not quite that simple, but, but there it is. And if you have external st- uh, things happen to you, it can manifest itself. And that's what they talked about here. Oh, and they didn't really um, say that the other two scientists came down with the exact same situation. They just have been removed to a facility. It's strongly implied. It's it's strongly implied that they are also dealing with same the same type of psychosis yes. um, uh, that, that Kieran is working with here. Right. Uh, is dealing with. Um, we don't know. So one of the things that makes... Um, uh, John Nash's experience very different 
than Kieran's and potentially other scientists is that John Nash gets to a point where he is cognizant of the fact that he's dealing with hallucinations. Yes, that's right. Um, and then he has to navigate uh, the realities of, okay, so I have hallucinations. I see things that other people don't see. Mm -hmm. Is what I'm seeing something that I'm seeing and that nobody else sees, or is this something that's real? And he works through that process. And actually, that's one of the things that makes the movie a great movie, is oh, yeah. that you get to see that process. Um, yeah. And uh, is it Russell Crowe, is that right? Yep. Yeah, right. you know, he does a tremendous yeah. job with that. Um, uh, unfortunately, Kieran... We don't get to see the part of the story where Kieran, assuming he ever does, uh, recognizes and realizes that he actually is seeing things that other people don't see. Um, and so we just, we kind of are stuck in the, uh, in, in, in that uh, stuck place yeah. of it. Um, but we do get to see Dean Stockwell perform in a way oh. that totally throws us the right signals at the right time in a way that was, um, I wouldn't call it tough to pick up at the beginning. It was very well done. It was very, yes. very, very well done. And also, um, uh, Corin Nemec's uh, performance when he was the not Jonas, when he was wrong yeah. Jonas, um, was also quite good, though it was a little bit more wooden, which was the point. That was the point. Um, but it was noticeable, and so it, as yeah. a result, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of information that's getting communicated to me while I was watching this episode, which was quite good. It's just that the when the punch, when it was time for the punch, when it was time for the twist, I saw it coming that entire way. We got to the twist, and I'm like, well, this this is not a twist. This is not a twist at all. Um, so it didn't land with me at all. It just yeah. didn't land whatsoever. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, uh, one of the things I really appreciate about this episode, especially on this viewing, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and part of it is my own self, because when I have rewatched these episodes many, many times, uh, watch is a loose term. Mm, yes. And, and, and I ingest them mostly with my ears and, you know, I look up and I follow along with my eyes, mm -hmm. but I'm not for most of these rewatches in my past, I haven't been staring at the screen focused on it. Yeah. Um, obviously for this project and for this rewatch, I was carefully watching the show and, and what we see are uh, just layers upon layers of visual clues that, I mean, for oh, an yeah. episode that's not filled with explosions and fancy, um, you know, special effects and all of that stuff. This is a remarkably visual episode. Mm -hmm. um, and and you just and if you watch and if you're paying attention, you pick up on these things really, really well. Uh, and I think it's well, well done in that regard. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. I was just remembering of a thing that I wanted to bring up, and it's story based, yes. but it is more meta based. But I don't want okay. to necessarily interrupt, even though I'm interrupting. No, no, you're good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done for now. Hard left turn. Hard. Okay. Jonas We're now Quinn. heading left. Jonas Quinn. Jonas Quinn. Yep. Uh, Jonas and Teal have a very brief heart to heart at the beginning of the episode. The outsiders are talking. They're, cult they're, 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 they're sympathizing with each other. They're both, uh, they're both alien to Earth. 
and they are both traitors. And you were reading that thing through, and I was like, right, yeah, they are both right, traitors. Yep. Yep. And Teal'c being a traitor is not treacherous. He was a traitor to a morally corrupt demigod. And as a result, we see his treachery not as treachery at all, but as resistance. But he's still viewed as a traitor. He's a Shulvite. Right. Jonas. And even and even by his people early on, he was seen as a Shulvat. Yeah. As a traitor. That's right. Uh, so even the people of Chulak, whom he was trying to save, saw him as a traitor early on. That's changed. Yes. But there you go. Jonas's okay. situation is very similar. It's very similar. He uh, rebelled against an unjust blaming of responsibility on one of our heroes that 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 matters to us the people that love this show and love these characters and love this story and it is loosely justified because what was happening was that his government was immorally using technology in a way that was advancing a super weapon and we have agreed that such use of technology is uh is uh morally questionable at best and so, you know, we welcome Jonas. Here, though, we've got a situation where Jonas's home team is pretty normal as far as nation states go. I mean, we are also taking the moral high ground in this story. We're able to do so because we're sitting from a position of comfort. It is the early 2000s. We've won. And so as a result, we can look down our nose at a whole lot of places being like, all right, well, you need to figure out a more peaceful, more like, you know, like you got to look a lot more like us. Otherwise, it's going to look really bad. And I'm being very, very, very intense with my description mainly for the jokes but but the gist is this is that Mm -hmm. the story had the ability to sit on the high ground and look at a culture look at ourselves 50 years ago and yeah from that point and say um you don't have to make this choice you don't have to use this weapon of mass destruction in an in an attempt to preserve yourself you can though it will be difficult, choose the diplomatic route. And the story basically kept telling us over and again that the people of um, Camp Winnebago, um, Kelowna, Kelowna, didn't want to even um, entertain that notion. And it, they were coming across as a bit hard-headed, though there, were a, there, was, there was an abundance of subtle undertones that, that didn't really make them look obtuse. Just more like this is their reality as they see it. And yeah, we're looking at it like this is a terrible idea. And I think we're right to look at it like that. But they aren't necessarily the just bald-faced bad guys that Apophis was. As a result, Jonas's treachery is a bit more treacherous. He is a turncoat. And you don't necessarily... Now, I'm not... I'm going to get off my high horse because... The character of Jonas Quinn. How do you introduce a character of Jonas Quinn into Stargate SG-1? This is the avenue. We're reintroducing this culture back in because we want to have a little bit more story to tell. Maybe this is also an avenue where we're going to have a decent amount of Nequadria, et cetera, et cetera, for future things. Like, I, I, I get it. But you've unintentionally created a problem, and maybe they'll maybe we'll get into this later. But you've unintentionally created a problem where Jonas is actually not that good of a guy. He's a traitor, right? He 
he he whether or not it was a good idea for his government to keep going down that path is a legit question but you don't entrust a traitor with that level of expertise information etc like you do with the sgc again i'm gonna get off my high horse this is not conducive to telling a good story it was just something that i thought of i'm like oh right like we trust teal because he was trading trade he was traitoring <laughs> he was <laughs> he was he was uh betraying apophis well jonas at first he was betraying Kelowna, and we thought Kelowna was a bunch of dum-dums well they're a little less dum-dum which makes his betrayal kind of not that not that good so, so that was something that crossed my mind so i i hear your critique and I don't necessarily disagree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to soften. I, I want to try to soften that a little bit. Sure. Um, with with Jonas, um, we have, and so this is something that that we learn with Jonas that is not necessarily true with all turncoats. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Jonas makes the decision he makes. Uh, way back in the episode Meridian, and certainly it is reiterated here, um, uh, to to make the decision he makes on moral grounds. So mm-hmm. he's not talking about political expediency. He's talking about more. He's thinking on the level of morality, um, and that changes the scope of things in ways that I think are meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that he's not. He's not turning away from Kelowna because he thinks Kelowna is bad. Um, and one of the things that we, I like about this episode is that it reveals the Kelownan government to be a government. Yeah, yes. Um, and like any government, uh, the United States government included, the Russian government included, it's a government that is working to solve its own interests. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And deal with that. Um, and you know, if I were in their shoes, uh, I would totally understand their argument in this episode of what they're hoping to get. It makes sense. Now they are also operating from a high level of anxiety, which prevents them from seeing other possibilities that may actually be of greater benefit for their people, but Besides that, regardless, uh, they're still dealing with, um, you know, they're still a government doing what a government does. Yep. Um, But there is something in this whole process that strikes Jonas as something morally he cannot participate in. And so he steps out of that and then strives, and I think he does it reasonably good job. They kind of gloss over it a little bit right. in some of those early episodes. They smooth it over because it's a TV show. But the first few episodes of of this season are all about Jonas Quinn trying to convince those people around him that his decisions that he made and what he's trying to do is to um, show that he is being morally consistent with himself and that there was a period of time when he wasn't that and so now he is trying to live into that better. Uh, and what we see in this episode is him actually doing just that. The political expediency would be like, oh, okay, 
sure, I'll come back home and I will watch over my friend and all of this stuff. You know, if he was playing the political game, that's where he would go. Mm-hmm. He would have been that turncoat. Um, even though we see uh, later on in the episode that um, what what uh, Vallis was asking Jonas was to care for a valued resource, which is to say uh, Dr. Kieran, right. not try to sneak into nefariously getting oh, yeah, into yeah, the, yeah. The, the resistance. There's, um, a, there's a lot about that that setup in that situation, which is very, very plausible. And it's quite fine. And they did a, they did a, they did a nice job with it. It just introduces things that are tough. Um, it introduces aspects of moral grayness, which then, um, which I think, interestingly, you are rightly defending Jonas's decision on moral grounds, rightly. And I'm looking at that like, yeah. And then isn't it curious that he's like suddenly just rock solid with his commitment to the SGC? He was not rock solid with his commitment to Kelowna. That's why he rebelled. Yet he's rock solid with his commitment to the SGC. That's odd. So, so I will say this. Um, one of the things that I constantly talk about uh, at the church and in other places is I ask the question, what is your why? Mm-hmm. Why do you do what you do? And I think this is vitally important for all organizations to do. Um, not just religious ones, not just political ones or whatever, Mm -hmm. but pin down clearly and succinctly why you do what you do. And once you have labeled that, tell people, this Mm -hmm. is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is, well, this is why I do what I do. And so within that why, the specific what's can change, but but the why remains consistent, Mm -hmm. assuming you know what your why is. And I think what we see in Jonas, and and uh, we see this play out, um, we've already seen it play out, and, and I would argue that as we see the rest of his story throughout the rest of the series and such, we will see this more. Uh, but he has determined what his why is, and his why resonates with the why of the SGC. Not necessarily the U.S. government or any of that stuff, but the SGC. And what ends up happening is with humans in general is that when we discover our why and when we see that our why relates to and resonates with the why of another group or person or whatever, loyalty develops. And it's almost instantaneous. Mm. Mm -hmm. And nothing... You know, and I think that's what we see in Jonas is that there is something in the SGC that that resonates with his own personal why, that um, that uh, it drives him to stay there. That what he's thinking is that because of my why and because of the why of the SGC and also the realities of back home, they're not even going to let me go back home. And this is an episode here where he kind of gets an olive branch, but it's also kind of a weird olive branch, and it's not quite comfortable for him, right? All of that is to say that for right now, the what that I need to do is be here at the SGC and be supportive of what the SGC is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that play out in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I still have my reservations. I, wait, wait, let me re- completely reframe that. 
If I were expecting this television show to be a perfect recreation of humanity, I have my reservations. It's a TV show, (laughs) right? Like, they're going to introduce some real-world stuff in it, obviously. That's the point of television shows, or uh, of stories, I mean. Um, But, I mean, come on now. Like, it'll be fine. Jonas is fine. Right. And I think also that I I will acknowledge your critique of the reticence of fully trusting Jonas Quinn in the context of SGC as a real organization, uh, would they really be doing that? Right. Um, I also but, think yeah. that one of the things that television has an opportunity to do, sci-fi specifically, and this show uh, even more specifically than that, at least in this episode, is invite us as the watcher into a better sense of self than what we really do. Yes. It invites us to be the better... Yeah. Uh, this whole episode is about that, right? It's constantly asking the Colonians, can you be the best you that you can be? Because right now you're not doing that. Right. right. And what we see with Jonas and his relationship with the SGC is the SGC saying, we are going to be the best SGC that we can be. And what that means is recognizing who you are and what you're about. And yes, you have this thing in your past, but you are still valuable. Uh, and that plays out. And so this is an ex- an invitation, I would say, to invite us as humans to be the best humans that we can be. And that, I think, necessitates uh, grace and forgiveness in, this, in a situation like this. Now, we've got to pivot, but I will posit this question, hoping for okay. some reaction from people that are listening. Because like I said, we don't have time to really get into this. Does supporting that, does supporting somebody's best version of themselves even mean doing what Jonas did with Dr. Kieran at the end, where you know you're supporting a lie? Do you want me to respond to that? Because I, think I can. I think it's a bigger question than we really ought to, because that would be a 15-minute so, conversation. All right, so let me give you just my my real quick off the cuff response to that. Go. Okay, so um, I work with several people who have dementia in my job. Mm -hmm. That's part of what I do. I deal with people who have dementia, not on an everyday basis, uh, but still. Um, And while this is different than that, the general. uh, position that they, they tell you when you're dealing with people with dementia is just go with where they are. If, yep. if they're operating as a 12-year-old, even though they're 87, pretend they're 12. They're 12 mm-hmm. in their brain. So, so respond to them in that capacity. If they think that they are still in whatever, you know, whatever they're dealing with in their 20s and 30s and 40s, whatever it is, be there. You know, you know if they're if they imagine that you're their grandchild or you're their parent, whatever it is, be there in that spot. Now, is this true across the board with mental health issues? No, 100% not. However, in this situation, Jonas does not have the skills or the capacity to even begin a process of trying to... Uh, open up Kieran's eyes to recognize what John Nash does is that he is experiencing things that other people aren't experiencing. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, at that moment, the only thing 
especially since in this situation uh, the the hallucinations are not life threatening to Dr. Kieran. The only thing that Jonas could do is just be there with him in that spot. That's it. There you go. He couldn't have done anything else. And is it sad? Is it heartbreaking? 100%. If it is somebody that you love that is experiencing dementia or whatever it is, and they are, you know, I've got a cousin who uh, has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I don't see her very often, um, but I have heard the stories and I have actually worked with some people who have schizophrenia also, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I don't have that personal connection with them. Uh, But, but it, when you see that, it is heartbreaking, but there's also not a whole lot that you can do otherwise. So, uh, that's, I, I probably went over two minutes, and I'm sorry. A little bit, but not too much. All right. Yeah. So. This is good conversation. Yeah. All right, Brent. Yes. Are you ready for your Chevron ratings? Yes, I am. All right. Well, then, hook me up. Okay. What is your Chevron rating for this episode? So unfortunately, it got it. You know, it, it, it has an injury to its Achilles heel, <clears throat> which is a bummer. And um, because so much about this episode was pretty darn great, uh, acting was brilliant, directing was very very good, how it was shot was very very good. The story itself wasn't all that bad. Plenty in here, which was good for conversation, uh, plausible. There was a lot of nuance in here that I thought was well done. The catch was that for it to be a satisfying episode, it demanded that you not know that the resistance was in. Uh, I got. I remember his name before. Kieran? Kieran, Dr. Kieran's head. It demanded that you not know that the resistance is just in his head until they reveal it two-thirds of the way through. But I saw that coming, so it didn't surprise me. And as a result, nothing about the story felt out of place. It was like, yeah, you know, he's talking about it in this way. He's engaging with the resistance in this manner. It's all inside his head. So any of these weirdnesses that seem to come across, easily explainable because it's all inside his head. Jonas acting weird? Yeah, it's because it's inside his head. Jonas carrying a gun that shoots bullets and then suddenly has a red butt and then uh, like is doing something else? Yeah, it's in his head. So everything about it, there was nothing in this thing that was like, wait, what's going on? Why is this? What? There was no mystery in this story for me at all. So as a result, I'm just watching a story, 40 minutes of people doing things that it's like, yep, and they would do that, and you do that, and you do that. And then even the diplomatic part of it, there was no surprise. There was no real, like, I didn't expect them to do that. Like, it just it just went straight at it in the way. Fine. It was fine. It was not bad. But if I didn't see the twist coming, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one... Um, I'm going to give this one a four, which is not that bad, but just because there was so much about it that was actually pretty darn good. But if if I had been surprised by the story, I probably would have had this thing closer to a six or something like. Sure. It, but I just wasn't there. So how about you? What do you give this? So my recollection of this episode, you know, if like before we watched it and talked about it here. Well, before I watched it yesterday and such. Yep. Uh, my recollection of this episode is like, eh, it's perfectly serviceable. It's a fine. I would have easily just said, eh, it's a four. Yeah. It's just right there. It, it's, uh, but my very first reaction after watching it this time was, this is a lot better 
than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a hundred percent right with some of your critiques there, right? There, it, it's not a fast-paced episode. It's not an exciting episode. Uh, it is ridiculously well acted, mm-hmm. um, but it's not always an engaging episode unless you're choosing to really engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, it's kind of a four, but it's also better than a four. And so now I have to figure out where it's going to place it. I'm going to put this episode a little bit higher than a four. I'm going to go four and a half. I'm yep. going to give it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to give our conversation... I w- if I were to rate this episode on our conversation, <laughs> I would easily give it a five and a half. Yeah, sure. Yep. Um, but on the episode itself, um, I'm going to go with a four and a half. Yep. That's All very right. sensible. So, are you ready for some predictions? Yes. Uh, I did notice that we got a reply to my tweet tweet um, uh, almost as soon as I posted it. Oh, wow. We got... No, just looks like one reply. Okay, here we go. All right. All right. Um, on Twitter, we have uh, Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Hi, hi Adrian. Uh, he says, this one is not one of my favorites. I found the idea of exploring the politics of Kelowna and the idea of rebelling of rebellion interesting, but at the end, I was disappointed it never existed. It felt like an inferior version of a beautiful mind. Zach, four. Very close. Brent, mm. three. Also very close. Oh, so, yep. Yeah. We're, we're more or less on the same page on that one. Yep. All right. So, that yep. was the only prediction we got on Twitter. So, Zach, over to you. All right. Well, the first prediction that we have on um, uh, Facebook is from Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Uh, Rowan says, according to viewer ratings on IMDb, Shadowplay is on the lower end for season six with an average rating of 7.5, putting it on par with Brief Candle. Mm-hmm. According to my official IMDb to Chevron rating conversion, that <laughs> is a four. Yeah. It is in the bottom 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Look at that. Uh, David asks, yeah, Rowan, but what did you think of it? <laughs> And Rowan says, maths. Yeah. can't say I specifically recall that one. At some point, I'm sure I'll catch up. Uh, yep. uh, they are not, I don't believe they're caught up with where we are. Yet. I was a little surprised. I was, I was kind of hoping that they would be, but I see there. However, coming in with the hot maths, indeed, the four, four and a half is pretty much right on par. Yep. Awesome. So, hey, we are like everybody else. We're like everybody else. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Right. Thank you for affirming my Thank you. normalcy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have Evan. Hi, Evan. Evan says, this one will inevitably spark discussion over mental health issues, mm-hmm. auditory hallucinations, mm-hmm. and the like. Mm-hmm. As someone whose grandmother believes a small child lives in her closet and who hears the dead, this one has more resonance. Mm-hmm. I'm a six, personally. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I suspect Zach and Brent will both be closer to a five due to it ultimately not advancing the meta narrative, except that the relationship with Jonas's people has somewhat improved. It's a fairly interesting concept, but the twist can feel a little abrupt. Also, what kind of alien name is Jonas? <laughs> right? Jonas Quinn? Medicine woman? Yeah. Um, there you go. 
<laughs> Thank you. So, uh, you know, I, I totally get that. Uh, that that is, uh, I mean, that makes sense to me, Evan. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. All right, we have Tim. Hi, Tim. Uh, Tim instantly is my brother. Tim. Hi, brother Tim. Hi, brother Hope Tim. All is well. I give this episode a four. He says mm-hmm. it's fine. Nothing glaringly wrong. Oh, nothing glaringly wrong with it, but nothing that great. Yep. Zach will give it a four and a half. Oh, oh, oh. And oh. Brent yeah. will give it a four. Hey, Tim, 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 you got it. Tim got it right. Woo-hoo. Tim's the big winner. Nice. You're the big winner, Tim. Winner, winner. <laughs> Chicken All right. dinner. <laughs> okay. And we have one more on Facebook. Okay. This is from Stuart. Hey, Stuart. An average intrigue plot saved from mediocrity by a good showing by Dean Stockwell. Yep. But still only a middling episode. I'm guessing fours from both Brent and Zach. Very, 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 very close. Indeed. Very close. Indeed. Yep. That, that kind of fits where we are uh, quite well. We have some emails too, Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them, in fact. And the first one comes from Dan, and I'm pretty certain Dan is a first-time writer. Oh, hey, Dan. Thanks for writing in. So, he, in fact, he says, hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Uh-huh. And, in fact, this is his first time emailing. Um, well, yeah, but this is also uh, his, first, uh, his first prediction, too. Well, naturally. Yes. You know, anyway. That's how that works. Right, he says. Yeah. Uh, currently camping with spotty internet at best and decided to do my review via the interwebs and messaging systems. I hear the kids call this an electronic mail. Ah, yes. 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 That's what they they do call that. That's what they call it. Um, And uh, we actually received this uh, last week, in fact, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. before uh, everybody knew that we were not going to, we were going to spend our time in the same space, just not recording. Before we knew that we weren't going to record. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, that's true. He's a Shatterplay. (laughs) Was I the only one who heard that? The dull thud associated with a story falling flat. Yep. Yeah. After yeah. the last several episodes being as good as they are, this is a rare dud. Mm-hmm. With the exception of every time Jonas says or does something weird or odd and everyone blaming the quadria poisoning, nothing in this episode sticks to the overall arc. Mm. Of course, other than the continued problems on Jonas's planet, could be the Cylon brother Cavill angle. Yeah, I didn't even think about trying to mash up the story with Cylons. Uh, He continues. Yes. I also never really understood this little nugget. Professor Dr. Admiral Al Calavici, no need to say this, but if confusion happens, Dean Stockwell's character in Quantum Leap was Admiral Calavici. Yes. Is an alien scientist admittedly suffering from schizophrenia and they just dump him in a nursing home? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Why not take him back to Caprica or something? Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just pull the plug. He'll pop right back so, out. So I am fairly certain that within the context of Earth, because my sense is that Kieran was staying on Earth. Mm-hmm. That was also and implied. And if he's on Earth, he is not going to be at just a standard nursing home. No, he's going to be at a place. Now, now the other ones do get kind of tossed into oblivion of some sort, as far as we can tell. So allow me to speculate, Zach. Does Doctor Kieran end up in the same place as Grandpa, the excavate, the archaeologist that we're totally going to come back and see here real soon? Um. 
well, no, because Grandpa is with those giant aliens. Uh-huh, yeah. Can Dr. Cavill go go to go to, to the giant aliens, too? No, J- Dr. Cavill, Kieran Calavici, yeah. um, is is on Earth. And, and right now, we don't have any clear means of going to the giant aliens and talking to them. So, no, he can't go there. I mean, we're going to see we're going to see Grandpa again, though, at some point. Well, yes, of course. course. Uh, I don't want to spoil this, but of course we're going to see him again at some point in time in the future. Um, You know, we still have a ways to go before that happens. Okay, so don't 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 worry too much about that. It's It's a long ride. It is. It's a long ride. It'll happen. I'm sure it will happen. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, uh, No. Shall I finish the email? Yes, please. (laughs) 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 All right. Dan continues. This is a meh at best episode. Yeah. It was pretty. Uh, obvious early on that the resistance never actually existed, given Jonas's horribly wooden acting every single time the professor was having his delusions. Yeah. Of course, I suppose someone uh, could have leapt in and taken his place. Honestly, he sounded to me like when I pretend to have excitement for something my girlfriend is talking about that I have no interest in. (laughs) Dan, I have no idea what you're talking about there. Not at all. For me, he says. Yes. It's a serious downgrade. After the last couple of episodes, we've been spoiled with good stories, and this just feels like filler. Like, hey, we can get Dean Stockwell to guest, but only this week. Yep. Three from me, four from Brent. Yeah. And three and a half from Zach. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Um, Pretty close. And there we go. That is Dan. Thanks, Dan. Very close. Thanks for writing in. Hope to hear from you We've again. We've got soon. Susan, aka Aunt Susan, Hi, Aunt is Susan. next. This episode gets a four out of seven from me, mm-hmm. with points mainly for character development that fills in some of the backstory for Jonas and informs us of what's been happening on Langara since the events of Meridian. Mm-hmm. I also thought the discussion between Jonas and Teal'c regarding their similar paths and being considered a traitor by friends and family was a nice step in the continued rehabilitation of the Jonas character. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I agree. And a bonus point for guest star, the talented and prolific Dean Stockwell as mm-hmm. Jonas's mentor, Dr. Kieran. Initially, I had a hard time following the intertwined B-plot of Dr. Kieran's schizophrenic hallucinations, and with the A-plot of Kelowna's inclination to go to war. Mm-hmm. By the time I realized things were hinky with Kieran, they seemed to run out of steam, and suddenly, after Kieran's fall, we returned to the SGC, where everything is resolved too quickly through character yeah, that's a good exposition. Way to look at it too. Yeah, yeah, yep. I think both Brent and Zach may give it a five, because even though it's a middling episode, they might have been able to follow the hallucinatory plot line better than me. I mean, I did technically, well, but it didn't. It didn't improve things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Susan. Uh, yes, thank you. And Susan. now, finally, we will turn to uh, David's prediction. Hi, David. David says, "Is this a Chevron encoding bias buffer or a delusion?" <gasps> the Chevron encoding biases were never real. They were never real. Oh my god, my mind is blown. Oh, here I've been laughing, and y'all have been just sitting here just letting me laugh. Oh, you guys are so kind. Oof. Well, you know, that that's you know, I'm just letting you sit with your own delusion. Yeah. Oh, you I'm mean sure this po- it'll be perfectly fine. This podcast isn't real. <laughs> Every week I just stand in the corner of my room and just talk at the wall. 
you know, Brent, every week I sit at my kitchen table and I talk into the ether too. Yep. And um, we tell people we do a podcast and they're like, oh, neat. Yeah. <laughs> we totally have 44,000 listens ah! to our podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> All right. Here is what David actually says. Yes. What I enjoyed about this episode was the turnabout. It's now someone it's now someone else oh, asking Earth for yeah, advanced technology gotcha. to defend yep. themselves, and we are the ones having to say, no, you'll hurt yourselves. Mm-hmm. You'd think they'd be a little more understanding having been in the same position, but then again, maybe it's uh, after having been in the same position, they realize now why they can't just give everyone awesome weapons. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. As for the B plot, or maybe it's the A plot, not certain. Anyway, with the Jonas and Dr. Kieran plot, that was well played out. Mm-hmm. It was only towards the end that we realized that Jonas was not really there for much of it. I might have to go back and watch it again to see if it's more obvious when you know. Um, I think it is. I felt it was it's- very, very obvious. But I also felt like it was well done. I get it. It was wooden. It was supposed to be wooden. Might have been differently done to be a bit more off-putting or something. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, he says... Uh, it's been a while since I first saw this episode, and I don't quite remember the twist. Uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He predicts five chevrons for Cylon number one, John Cavill, yep. i.e. Brent. Yep, close. And for Wait, Zach, I'm five Cylon chevrons. Number one? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're giving five ce- chevrons because for Cylon number of one. Cylon number one, yeah. yes. And then he also predicts that I will give it five chevrons for SGC, finally understanding the lesson of why you can't give weapons away to people not ready for them. Very close. Very, very, very close. Very close. Very close. All right. So those are our predictions. Thank you very much for uh, uh, writing in. I yes, love thank you. those. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, Brent. Yeah. The next episode is entitled The Other Guys. And I ask you, my dear friend, what is The Other Guys all about? Oh, boy. Oh, dear. The Other Guys. Okay. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, all right. Well, duh. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. But they are not the first from Earth who have arrived. No, indeed, there have been others who have arrived before them. As they arrive, because this is actually an episode we've seen before, and I got to pull it out of where that one was going. Uh, As they arrive, uh, they are greeted... uh, Boy, this is actually like several episodes where they aren't the first to arrive, right? Like, like there's three or four of them. Shoot, this is not as original as I thought it was going to be. Oh, whatever, here we go. All right, as they arrive there, they realize that indeed the the planet has been visited by, in no uh, particular order... Uh, the Russian Stargate program, the NID Stargate program, uh, the uh, cast and crew from Wormhole Extreme, somehow. Um, the, uh, let's see here, who else might we have just suddenly showing up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the robot people from Comtria uh, Land. Um, let's see. Because uh, that was actually literally that one other episode where they all died. Uh, but yeah, it's them. Not, I mean, not them, but them. Uh, and they're all arriving. So And so as a result, when the SG-1 team arrive on this strange new world the whole world knows about them very well putting our heroes in a predicament 
a predicament very similar to this guy trying to come up with an interesting joke to land with the other guys. I have nothing. I literally had, at first I was like, oh, I'll go like in an NID direction. Wait, no, that's been done. Let me go in a wormhole extreme direction. That's just way over the top. What about the Russians? No, that's been done too. <sighs> Join us next time where Brent gets to figure out and actually what the plot of The Other Guys is about when we watch Stargate SG-1's episode, The Other Guys. So I don't Perfect. even have, I don't even have a follow-up. I can't even be like, so Zach, is this an episode about The Other Guys? Because <laughs> it is, in fact, an episode about The Other Guys. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I will tell you right now. That the other guys that you have mentioned in your convoluted whatever the heck that you were <laughs> doing there yes. are not the other guys that they're talking about in this episode. Uh, okay, now I'm actually interested because for real, are, I, I thought I came up with every version of the other guys. <laughs> there, there are different other guys. Okay. All right. Well, then let's Shall see. Shall we watch the promo? Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. I have a task for you, Karak. How may I serve you, my lord? This mission is of great importance, and there's not much time. If you succeed, the Nubis himself will be most pleased. Okay. SG-1 is about to be captured. Oh, no! They, uh, they improve exactly. And the only hope for saving them are these guys. So tell me how you finally defeated Apophis, Colonel O'Neill. Oh, Major Carter, I based my doctoral thesis on your amazing wormhole stability Dr. theory. Fuck me, Coombs. It is. These my heroes exist. This was a Trek convention to be all dressed up like a Klingon. Vulcan, Felker. Vulcan. And I don't know how you can call yourself a scientist and not worship at the altar of Roddenberry. Oh, how are we going to go to this one, Captain? Oh, I don't know. Something to do with the tachyonimeter? Nice. Knock it off. It's all next time on Stargate SG. That's fantastic! <laughs> Holy cow! I am super excited about watching this one now. Oh, man. Oh, what was the name of the species of Dr. Flox? I don't remember. Do you remember? Um, Whatever. Somebody's out there shouting it right now. I, I'm never going to I, I don't remember off the top of my nope. head. It's right on the tip of my tongue, um, but I, it's not coming out. Nope. Anyway. So. Vulcan. Uh, not Vulcan. Not Vulcan. Or not, not Vulcan. Um, it's some sort of Orion. Orion. Um, but not like Andorian or nope, Klingonian or Vulcanian Klingonian. or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Denobulan. Denobil, oh my gosh. I got real? there. Is that for real? No. Yes. That's, that's the right answer. Yes. yes. Denobulin. Holy cow. Well done. You know, I am a Star Trek nerd. Are you another guy? Uh, not, well, no, maybe. <laughs> Still, that nerddom is that you, you, re, you, you get like extra nerd cards for that one. Uh, I, I would say that I don't really worship at the altar of Gene Roddenberry. So if, if that's what it takes to be an other guy in this situation, then no, I'm not. I like to think that there are many paths. Oh, well, how very <laughs> Oma de Sala of you. <laughs> when you realize the candle is lit, the dinner is prepared. Absolutely. Whatever, it was, whatever that sure. was. Sure, 100%. Uh, in any case, thank you very much, David, for the promos. Yes. Uh, we will get those up onto the YouTube sometime close to next Friday, probably, sure. if I could 
get around to doing things quicker, I might do it, but that's hard for me to Kinda do. Kind of how we do it. Yep. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Tell us what you think about this episode. There are lots of different angles that we did not get to, to cover in detail. So this is your opportunity. You can go to the website and clack, 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 clack there. You can go to yep. email, walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com yep. and clack, 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 clack there. Mm-hmm. You can go to Stargate Walking on Twitter and go clack, 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 send. Clack, mm-hmm. clack, clack, send. Mm-hmm. Clack, 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 send. Y- and talk to us there. Yep. You can go to Facebook and the Walking Through Stargate Facebook page and group and go clack, 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 send clack. Yeah. there. All these places are <laughs> great places that you can give us your comments and thoughts and all of that stuff. Thank you, all of that stuff. I'm done now. Okay. We did it. We got we to the it. end of episode 116. We did this 120, I don't know, times now. We got a lot of episodes. It, it, it's, it's, it, yes. In any case. Yes. Uh, <laughs> join us next time. Uh, and until then, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>